You know, our first song this morning that we, uh, that we sang was um, that we are the church and we are the hope of the world. Uh, we have the answer through Jesus Christ. That is the hope that we offer people. You know, and that's what the church is about. It's about us as a church uh, bringing hope to the earth. And, and you know, over the last three weeks, uh, I've seen this play out here at Fairlawn. You know, three weeks ago, I was able to go to uh, up to, to Flathead Reservation with Paul Kurtz and spend some time with Reed and Siku Ulatoa, which is a couple that we sent from here almost 15 years ago. I was able to see what God is doing through them and was able to hear the stories of, of how God is using them to connect with, with Native Americans. I uh, was able to meet with... with uh, Greg Couture, who is the tribal chief of police for the whole reservation. Um, Jason Adams, who was a tribal housing authority, now runs the Kerr Dam up there, and, and some, some tribal council members. And you know, the one message that they had for us was, thank you. Thank you for sending Reed and Sika to us 15 years ago and allowing them to minister to us. Uh, we are blessed, and, and so they're having huge impact. So I saw the way that, that God is using them. Uh, spent some time with John and Melissa Grandchamp, who are Native Americans from up there who we support, and, and hearing about their work, and, and we need to pray for them. Pray for uh, John and, and, and Seek as they work together and, and do ministry up on Flathead Reservation. That's um, so why we're having an impact in northern Montana. Uh, Thursday night, Thursday afternoon for the after-school program, we had 38 children here that we had the opportunity to share the gospel with. Some of them were from here. Some of them sitting right over there were here with us uh, of our own children, uh, rubbing shoulders with our community. But, but this opportunity that we have to share the gospel, that our, that our schools trust us, that they send children here, for us to be able to share the gospel with is it, it's us giving them hope because a lot of these children that, that 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 came on Thursday night they have no hope they don't know who Jesus is they don't know their need for Jesus we have a responsibility to tell them and to give them hope and uh, it was a great privilege to do that and then yesterday uh, we had the opportunity you know uh, Mark and Linda Raber uh, created this family mission opportunity. And so we were able to go up to Mount Pleasant, uh, a suburb in, or, or a part, a community in, in Cleveland that is a, as, as a gang-infested, drug-infested community. But right in the middle of this community, there, there is this group of people that are having an impact. So there's this old lady up there, can't remember her name, uh, but she's plopped right down there in the middle of, of all this gang activity, and she's making a difference. And so we had the opportunity to go up and to tear some, you know, walls out and, and to do man kinds of things and, and do some gardening. And, but taking hope to our community, through our children, to um, a city in our region in Cleveland, and, and to the nations, really, the First Nations people of northern Montana. And, and that is us... Um, being on mission with God. And as we go through this book of Romans, we will understand the need for us to take hope to uh, a dying world um, and, and the need for people to have Jesus. And so it just, it's just been really neat to see how God is using this church 
to, um, to take the gospel to different places of the world. We're in Romans chapter 1. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 18. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. In Romans 1, 18, it says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be, what may be made known to them, um, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their own sinful desires and their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Father, would you show us this morning the, the, the things that, that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was was showing this church in Rome. And Father, would you um, just fill our hearts with the truth of your word and Lord, cause us to change and to become who you want us to be. It's in Christ's name that I pray, amen. So Robert Ingersoll was, was known as the, as the great agnostic. He course, was a politician in the late 1800s, and he went around the country um, talking about his doubts concerning the existence of God. And one night, um, Ingersoll was in a small town in, in New York, and he was speaking in a small hall, and, and he proclaiming eloquently, because he was known for his eloquent speech, his doubts about, about God and, and especially about, about judgment, about future judgment, and about hell. And after Ingersoll had given this eloquent speech, an old drunk in the back stood up and said with his really thick, drunken tongue, he says, I sure hope you're right, Brother Bob, because I'm counting on that. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm counting on the fact that there is no judgment, that there will be no judgment, that God is not wrathful. And, and for, for us, as even as believers, one of the most difficult things for believers and unbelievers alike is that of the wrath of God. You know, we, we don't like to think of God in terms of wrath and and, and anger and judgment. You know, we, we like to make God according to our own ideas. We like a God that is loving, a God that is caring, a God that is, is about, about us, really. And not so much 
about a God of wrath and a God of judgment. And so we give him these characteristics that we want him to have. And, and we try to make God to conform into, into our image of who he should be rather than what, how Scripture shows him to be and, and who he really is. And so this modern God has these attributes of, of love and mercy and forgiveness, but without justice. J.I. Packer says that one of the most striking things about the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, is this emphasis on the reality and terror of God. In other words, God is, a part of his character is, he is a God of judgment. And as we will see here in Romans, a God of wrath. And for us, until we, and we will never come to to grips with the importance of the gospel and sharing the gospel or be motivated to share it until we understand this truth that God's wrath must be fully integrated into our worldview. In other words, until we understand that, that, that there is a hell and that, that, that God who, who, who is a loving, holy, and, and just God, until we understand the just part of him, there will never be this urgency in us to share the gospel. And so we explain away the justice of God, but Scripture is very clear that of this reality that God is both a God of love and mercy and the God of judgment and wrath. And, 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 and you can't explain God without both of those being present. And so Paul spends a lot of time here in Romans helping us understand this. But understanding man's predicament that, that we are sinful, that, and if we reject God, that rejection will result in wrath. That's the reality of what Paul is talking about. And so he helps the reader to understand how God's wrath is being revealed. And Paul talks about present tense wrath. He's not just talking future wrath. He's talking how God's wrath is revealed here and now. Now, last week in verses 16 and 17, we saw that, that Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the salvation to everyone who believes, both Jew and Greek. So, so there's this hope that, 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 that this gospel is for everyone and this gospel is for the salvation of everyone. Who believes. But he follows that up here in verse 18 with reminding us that, 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 that his, God's wrath is also revealed from heaven to people because of their ungodliness and their unrighteousness. And so Tim Keller in the book that you can pick up in our resource center says this about the beginning of this, this next section. He says from verses, verses uh, chapter 1, verse 18 to chapter 3, verse 20, he says, it will present us with a dark picture of humanity. The next several weeks are going to be kind of dark. They're going to be kind of depressing. But then he says, yet it is the backdrop on which the bright jewel of the gospel shines all the brighter. In other words, in the midst of this darkness, there is hope. There is light that shines that should give us hope. 
And so as we journey through this, uh, don't get discouraged by, by the darkness because it makes the light all the brighter. So we're entering into this, into this part of the series of, of justification. If you, if you remember, there, there are four sections, four movements in the book of Romans. Section 1 from, 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 from here to about, uh, about the next four, four chapters, he talks about justification, our need for the gospel, that, that we are sinners. The word justification means this, to declare righteous, to make one right with God. Justification is God's declaring that those who receive Christ will be righteous based on Christ's righteousness being credited to us. And so, so justification is, is Jesus giving his righteousness to us. The day that we are, the day we invite Jesus to be our Savior, we become justified. We become just as if we had never sinned. So, so this next section, this section right now, is dealing with justification, our need for the gospel, that the gospel is for sinners. Then it will move to sanctification, gospel for the saints, proclamation, gospel for all, and then transformation, how, this, how we respond, the gospel for life. And if you keep these four in mind as you're reading through the book of Romans, it's really helpful to help you understand um, what you're reading. And I would really encourage, you know, Corey encouraged us two weeks ago and Kelsey last week to sometimes sit down and read through the whole book of Romans in one setting. And something I did this week is I, as I listened through it, you know, I sat and I listened through the whole book of Romans. You know, it takes, it doesn't take you very long, it takes you about one hour. And here's the deal, the Browns don't even play today. So you can go home this afternoon and you can listen to the whole book of Romans. It just gives you a better picture of the book of Romans. And so keep these four movements in mind as you read through uh, the, the book of Romans. But Paul here makes a case that the gospel is available to all. And so in chapter 1... He talks about the wrath of God upon Greeks, upon Gentiles. In chapter 2, he talks about the wrath of God upon the Jews because they, they rejected the law. And then in chapter 3, he talks about that when none of us is righteous, not, not one, we're all sinful. But today, I want to begin by talking about the rejection of God's revelation. So in, in verses 18 to 23, he talks about how man rejects God's revelation and his glory and honor and the consequences of doing that. And as Paul begins to talk about this wrath, this wrath is due to two things. And he, 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 he addresses those. Again, it, it is due to godlessness and wickedness. Now, the godlessness really talks towards the religious character and, and usually emphasizes idolatry. And the wickedness talks to the immorality. So there's, there's this idolatry and immorality that he's addressing here. And those two things is what causes God to reject and causes his wrath to come out. And he says God's wrath is imposed on man because they reject God. And in, and in verse, verse 18 at the end he says, it's because they suppress 
the truth by their wickedness. So, so we suppress the truth. Man suppresses the, the truth. And, and suppress, to me, to suppress, it's more than, or, or suppressing the truth is, is, is not just something to know, but something to obey. So we know Scripture. We, we know what the Bible says. And, and, and what Paul is talking about here is if you know it, and you continue to not do it, that's suppressing. That's pushing it down. James says that uh, don't merely listen to the word and so be deceived. Do what it says. And am I doing what it says? Because if I'm not doing what it says, Paul says I'm suppressing the truth. Suppressing the truth. When we suppress the truth, we reject God. To suppress means hold down or to determine to be effective. Um, I don't know how many of you were older brothers or older sisters, but I remember uh, when I was big enough to, to, to be able to handle my brother, my younger brother. There's times when I'd take him down and I'd sit on him, and, 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 and when I would have him completely helpless to where he couldn't, where I had completely suppressed him, I would like let, you know, I don't know if you, and this is, but I would let spit like come out of my mouth to really humiliate him. And just before it dropped on, I'd suck it back in just to make sure I had him completely suppressed. I don't know if any of you ever did that, but I hope you don't. I hope uh, you guys never do that to your siblings. That was a bad story. But that's suppression, we, to, hold, to hold down until it's, it's no longer useful. People reject the truth of God's word. We hold it down so that it no longer has any effect on, on our lives. And we hold it down despite, and people hold it down in spite of the fact that the truth is evident, clear, and leaves us with no excuse. And Paul addresses that. He says here in verse 19, he says, look, since what may be made known about God is plain to them, because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what has been made so that men are without excuse. Yeah, we just sang that beautiful song during worship uh, called You're Beautiful. Yeah, I see your face in every sunrise. You know, I see you in the galaxies and, 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 and in the stars, and, and it's all proclaiming who you are. And when, 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 when we go into nature, and, and when I look at a sunrise in the morning, I see the beauty of God. When I go out at night and I look at the galaxies and, and see the massiveness of the galaxies, it reminds me of who He is. Even as science has, has become better at studying the galaxies and, and this universe, they're beginning to recognize that, 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 this, that this couldn't just have happened by chance. That, that there is a master designer or um, intelligent design is the word. 
but they come short of saying there was a God who we are to worship that created all of this. And so Paul says, you know, this, this is general revelation that Paul is talking about. This in, in generation, general revelation or natural revelation it's just, it's just um, the definition is that, that the revelation of God to all people at all times in all places that reveals that God exists and that he is intelligent, powerful, and transcendent. Transcendent. In other words, when people look out, they see that there is a God. Now, creation or general revelation, it just shows people that there is a God and that he is powerful enough to create and he is divine. It reveals his power and majesty, but it does not reveal his salvation because a person can't be saved simply through general revelation. Now, one of the questions that, I, that, that, I, that we often ask, that, that I ask myself this week, is, is so, so, so what happens with, with people who have never heard the gospel? And, and how is that fair that, that this loving, caring God, who is just, would allow people who have never heard the gospel to go to hell. Why doesn't he make provision for that? And, and, and you know, I, was, I was wrestling with this. But this is what, as I was praying, this is, this is what from Scripture I heard. God said, I have provided a way. I sent my son Jesus for the sins of the whole world. See, it is our responsibility to take the gospel to the world. You know, the Fairlawn Church has a responsibility to take the gospel to, to the people of our community and the children of our community that, that, that haven't heard. And not everybody has heard. Not everybody knows who Jesus is in Apple Creek. We have a responsibility to tell. You know, we have a responsibility to, 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 to find places in the world, places like Flathead Reservation, where only 3% of Native Americans or less than 3% are, uh, are believers. So they're, they're an underreached or unreached people group. We have a responsibility to share the gospel with them. God has given a way for man to be saved. It's man's responsibility to take the gospel to the world. I don't think we take that serious. I think we'd rather look at this and blame God for, for, for not saving them when, when really it's our responsibility to go and share the gospel with them. So when you come to this passage and, 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 and you begin to blame God for, for, um, for not saving people, that's an unfair um, thing to place on him because he has provided a way. Paul will go on in, in Romans to talk about this. He says in Romans 10, verse 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Because of what Christ did, everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. 
But then he says, but how can they call on the one in whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one on whom they've not heard? That's our question, right? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Our responsibility. And Paul goes on in verse 14 and said, Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. So Paul helps us understand that God's wrath is on mankind because of sin. And later he will help us understand it's our responsibility to take the good news to them for the sins that they live in. But man rejects God's revelation about God. He rejects it, suppressing it, holding it back even though there's evidence that, that he is the great creator. And he says, therefore, they are without excuse. And then he goes on. He says, not only do, re do they reject um, the general revelation about him, he says they reject God's glory and honor. What does it mean to glorify God? He says in verse 21, although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. What does it mean to glorify? The word glorify means to acknowledge his greatness, to give him honor by praising and worshiping him, primarily because he and he alone deserves to be praised, honored, and worshipped. Unbelief refuses to worship. So, so this morning we engaged in worship. We corporately engaged in worship. And if you were completely disengaged in worship this morning, and if you never worship and glorify this God who, who deserves and, 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 and demands our worship, if you never engage in, in worshiping the one who is worthy of our worship, then I have a concern. If you're bored in glorifying God, if you're bored with worship, then I would have a concern. I think you should have a concern. Because he goes on and he says that, he says, although they knew God, we all know, know God, know who he is, know what he's done. It says, even though they knew him, they neither glorified him or gave thanks to him. They said, this is the result of not glorifying and not giving thanks. Their thinking, our thinking, becomes futile and our hearts are darkened. 
And when we begin to darken, or when our hearts are darkened, we begin, and he shows this progression here. He says, when that happens, when we, when, when we refuse to worship and glorify God, he says our, 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 our hearts become darkened, we become futile in our thinking, and we begin to, it says here then, it says in verse 23, and we begin to exchange the glory of God for, 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 for the immortal, we begin to exchange the glory of, of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And so once we refuse to worship, our hearts become futile, then we begin to engage in idolatry. We begin to worship other things. We begin to worship created things. We begin to worship ourselves. We put ourselves up on this pedestal and we worship ourselves. Now, now we probably, I doubt if any of you has a, a, a statue that has been carved out or, 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 or made that, that, that you bow down and worship, right? I don't think. But what about that thing that's about this big and this wide and about this thick that sits at the center of your living room? And you sit and you stare at it for hours and hours and hours. When you haven't acknowledged or honored or glorified God in any way. Could that be idol worship? Could, could watching college football all day Saturday and all day Sunday watching the NFL this time of year, could that be idol worship? I see a guy shaking his head, yes. You are right. And I really have a concern. Maybe it's not the television that you worship. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your, 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 uh, your boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's your sports. But, but these are real things that we are struggling with and that we are in danger of the wrath of God because we worship other things. And we don't even think about it. Because this is what happens when we, when we begin. There's, this, there's this, this downward spiral. And when we begin to worship other things, because the progression of idolatry begins by refusing to worship God, that will eventually lead to 
to immorality. And, and verse 24 and 25 says, therefore, in other words, because you refuse to acknowledge the Creator, because you have begun, because you refuse to, to worship and give glory and honor to God, and because you're, you're, you're worshiping idols, this downward progression, he says, therefore, because of that, he says, I'm giving you over to, to your sinful desires of your heart, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies for one another. It says they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is the one that we should bring. We, when we look at the state of America, we see these things. We, we see the immorality that is rampant in our country. But if we as a church aren't serious about the worship of a holy God, glorifying and praising him and giving him the praise that is due his name. That's going to be us. We're going to fall into that immorality. We're, we're, we're going to lose uh, the importance of the sanctity of marriage. We're going to begin to believe that, 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 that home, things like homosexuality are okay. And that just living together is okay. And, and, and having sex outside of marriage is just okay. We're going to get there. If, if we don't begin to take seriously this whole thing that Paul is talking about. By glorifying and praising a holy God. And being in relationship with him day after day after day. And we will feel and experience the wrath of God. It's really scary for me to think that this failure to glorify God and to give thanks to him would lead us to such serious consequences in you know, our, our, our children, grandchildren, you know, the generations are at risk if we don't take our faith seriously. And we don't take this, this warning from Paul seriously. Um, that's going to be our reality. So it begins by us glorifying God. And it begins by us taking time to get on our faces before God and, and just worshiping Him, being in relationship with Him. And out of that, we begin to, uh, to be thankful people. When I, be, when, I, when I take note of God's beautiful creation and, and the sunrise, and I never take a sunrise for granted, or, or the beauty of the stars and, 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 a, and a beautiful full moon, when I am in right relationship with my God, I begin to praise and worship him for his creation. 
And when I'm in right relationship with God, I begin to praise and worship him for sending his son to die for my sins so that I can have eternal life. And, and when I'm in right relationship with him, it changes my whole perspective on life and on the people around me. Because now my attitude is right because I am in relationship with, with this holy God that wants relationship. When I no longer suppress the truth, but believe the truth of the word of God, that it is living and active, then I will recognize that I'm in this incredible relationship with this God and that it will motivate me to begin to share the gospel with those who don't yet believe because I understand the consequences of not believing. The wrath of God, as Paul writes about here, should motivate me to share the message of salvation. It should motivate me to live a godly life. It should motivate me to be a passionate follower of Jesus. And as you think of yourself, is that, is that you? Um, are you a passionate follower of Christ? Or are you suppressing the truth? Let's pray. Father, I just again thank you for this challenging word through the Holy Spirit that you gave to Paul. And that we as a people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would receive it, would believe it, and would begin to live, to live it and not suppress it. Father, may your, may your holy word convict us and encourage us and challenge us to live holy lives for your honor and for your glory. It's in Christ's name that I pray.